This is Lacrosse Talk PM, where your voice matters, your chance to weigh in on the issues important to you, where you control the content, where no topic is off limits. Annoyed by something? Have some constructive criticism? Do you have solutions to fix the problems that plague us? We want to hear from you. Weigh in with your comments on the talk and text line at 785-7914. Now, your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Christmas Eve special of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me now, celebrating Christmas Eve. It's a little weird. Thanks, Dr. Anthony Chergosky, UW Lacrosse political science professor. Uh, I, I appreciate you taking time out with us to, uh, you know, get get rid of family. We don't need to do family time right now. This is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, news and politics, although I don't think we're going to talk a whole ton of politics on Christmas Eve, but thanks a lot. Hey, no problem, Rick. And, and and Christmas Eve was always one of my favorite holidays growing up because I'd go to grandma's house and there'd be food, green fluff, of course, as we've talked <laughs> in great detail about, and there would be presents and usually better stuff than my parents would get me. Um, so Christmas Eve has a very special place in my heart. So of course, Rick, what would I rather do on Christmas Eve than be on Wisdom with you? I was just going to say, and now it's all come tumbling and crashing down. <laughs> Adulthood, gra- no longer going to grandma's house, no longer even spending time with family. Now you're on the phone with Wisdom on Christmas Eve for an hour. I guess that's where we're at in this pandemic, Rick. Like, <laughs> blame, blame China and bl- or Donald Trump, depending on which side of the aisle you're on. Uh, or maybe both. I guess. Uh, I guess maybe that's bipartisan. If we all we can all blame China to some degree. Uh, all right. So I got a couple of things that I want to talk about, and they're just they're very not they're they're more Christmas and more general. And and then you know I have some politics stuff. We can't not talk about politics because we have a political science professor on with us. Though I, this is what I like to do is I like to just I like to bring you on, and then the irony is that we talk about green fluff. And I think as a as a if there were a Guinness Book of World Records about how much radio talk time has spent on pistachio salad, some people call it the green fluff. I think we've blown that out of the water. It, we're your green fluff radio leader. And and honestly, I don't do green fluff on on Christmas Day. I won't be doing green fluff tomorrow because we we do we do a breakfast and then open presents and then we used to go to a movie which seems weird as a family we go to a movie so we actually don't talk to each other um and and there wasn't really a, a big dinner or supper so that's kind of our that's the breakdown is get up eat some breakfast uh open presents which there are no kids anymore like little kids so it's not as fun yeah and then uh and then well i'm gonna be just watching basketball the whole time <laughs> Well, Rick, that's an interesting holiday tradition to go to the movies. I mean, historically, there have been some pretty good movies that have come out on Christmas Day. How did that come about? I have no idea. I feel like it it might even started with something as stupid as, oh, no, Avatar, I think, maybe, or just something. Oh, right. There was such a huge movie that we – and then, I mean, we're all together, and, and we're we're of that age where you can't really play with toys anymore, so I couldn't play with the <laughs> – if I got Legos for the kids, they'd be like, why are you getting me Legos? And I'm like, for me. But now it's to the, you know, it used to be like, whoa, Legos or whoa, a board game. Let's play that. And now it's like, um, get me money, dude. I want money. 
<laughs> you know, so Rick, Rick did, did you ever go through like the Toys R Us catalog or like one of those Ugh. huge catalogs that would arrive like back in the 80s or the 90s or and I don't know if it happened before then, but you know, the huge catalog would arrive in the mail and it'd just be loaded with awesome toys and how much time you would spend going through that thing looking for the, the next uh, latest and greatest toy. Yeah, the Sears catalog. I mean, is that yeah, is that what you're thinking? Yeah. I can't remember if it was a Toys R Us catalog or not, but I remember always there was always a Sears catalog around, and there was a pretty big toy section in there, I believe, where you were just circling things. Uh, hey, mom, here you, here we go, pulling pages out, which was a dumb idea because if you pull the page out, then it, it definitely got lost. <laughs> Well, I, I guess those were just the pre-internet dilemmas that we faced in <laughs> deciding what we wanted for Christmas. I mean, what do people do nowadays? What do kids do nowadays? They just go look up on their tablet, like uh, what I can tell you. I can like tell that. you. They they have an Amazon wish list, and they f- email that link to mom. They probably actually text that link to mom. It's four thousand characters. Because, you know, if you're doing a wish list on Amazon, it's not going to be a straight up nice, easy link. It's going to have like it's going to be like Amazon.com slash W745 backslash six. You know, it's going to be and then it's going to be 50,000 of those characters. So your mom's getting a very long text. That's just a link to an Amazon wish list. Um, and I'm guessing that's how it goes. And uh, probably probably a little bit easier on mom than one store that has a monopoly on catalogs. It actually probably is easier because, you know, back in the day with, like, the Sears catalog, you'd have to call Sears up and order it over the phone, or you'd go to Sears and maybe they would or wouldn't have the item that you wanted. So, I mean, when you think about it, it was just incredibly inconvenient to shop via catalog. Or you would mail in your order with your check, and then in, like, two months, the order would show up at your door. Yeah, I guess I've never thought about the logistics of what happened after I circled that remote control car. I'm going to have to ask my mom that tomorrow when I see her. Um, okay, so and I, I made I, I made kind of a slip up there. I said it's funny that Sears had a monopoly on catalogs, and then I just mentioned that we just get all our toys at Amazon. Speaking of monopolies, I'm like – Amazon. I mean, in a decade, Amazon is just going to be the the only thing that exists, right? Where everything we buy will just be droned to us through Amazon. Rick, I've been reading this very interesting analysis that just came out from a professor of business at uh, New York University, and he right. makes a fascinating argument where he basically <clears throat> says that the pandemic hasn't so much changed the course of the kind of these big businesses. It hasn't really changed the trajectory of the market so much as it has just sped things up greatly in terms of like e-commerce and ordering things online and picking them up and driving some companies out of business that were in trouble before the pandemic. So I thought that was an interesting take, that it's not really so much that the pandemic has it caused any drastic changes in the direction of the market so much as the pandemic has, you know, sped things up by like, you know, we, we've gone through like uh, six or seven years of progression in the market in like nine months. All right. We're getting way too in the weeds for Christmas Eve, Tregoski. But no, actually, we, we just got a break. Brad's going to do the news here. And then we'll come back and we'll see if we continue this really deep dive into uh, how Amazon has destroyed businesses, but because it was going to anyway. We'll be back after this.
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Merry Christmas. Happy. There we go. It's at Andy Williams Christmas Eve with Dr. Anthony Chagoski from UW Lacrosse on the phone with me. All right, so Chagoski started the deep dive into an Amazon monopoly and how Amazon is it's just, you know, the pandemic is just kind of sped up the idea that Amazon is going to rule the world someday. And I don't, Chagoski, I don't know if we really want to go down that wormhole on Christmas Eve. It seems a little too, uh, I don't know what the word is, just kind of dark. It's a little too dark for Christmas Eve, don't you think? It just requires too much thinking, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I would rather <laughs> I would rather start at the fact that in about 45 minutes or so, 40 minutes, uh, the movie A Christmas Story is going to begin on TBS, I believe, unless they change things because of the pandemic. And in the Christmas Story is has got to be everybody's at least top 10 movie, if not top five. And for the sure. next 24 hours, at any moment in time, you can just turn TBS on and watch The Christmas Story. So Which? I had no idea that this was a thing, Rick, but now that I think about it, it's pretty brilliant on the part of TBS. I mean, that's a beloved movie, and so, you know, why don't you know, don't overthink your programming decisions. Just constantly play it on a loop for a day. <laughs> yeah, so this is funny. And I'll just a little inside. We do a little pregame show, and I broke this news. I go, Chagoski, one of the things I want to talk about is a Christmas story on, uh, you know, playing on TBS for 24 hours. And your reaction is, it, it, they what? <laughs> and I was like, wait, how do you not know this? This is this has happened, I don't know how many years uh, they've been doing this, but uh, it's, 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 like a, a a tradition now. I, I bet I bet there are you know I'm a little too old, but I bet there's people not that much younger than than me that think awesome. I can't wait for a Christmas story to start up at six o'clock on TBS. <laughs> Rick, I'm looking. I'm, I'm I'm doing some research on the fly here, okay. and it says that this marathon has taken place since. 1997. So I do the math, and that means that we're in year 23 of this. Uh, yeah. this tradition and hey i think that this is a great tradition and i guess i just need to become more knowledgeable about basic cable yeah so this would have started right in your would have not started right in your wheelhouse of maybe wanting to watch this movie like i don't know oh, absolutely you would have absolutely. been like 10 15 I, I years old. i would have been all about christmas movies then yeah because the little red rider bb gun that's i feel like that's yep. how old were you in 1997 I was eight. You were eight. So this is like you look at this movie as an eight-year-old on TBS that day, and you're like, this is me. I want the BB gun. I, although I think maybe the BB gun was probably outdated. At, well, I don't know, 1997. I, I don't know where your parents were with giving you BB guns for Christmas. <laughs> well, Rick, don't you think like that eight, ten-ish range is just like prime Christmas movie viewing time in someone's life? Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to – when you said A-10, I thought you were going like AR-15. No, my parents got me an A-10 for Christmas, some kind of like automatic rifle out there in the Twin Cities. You know, you got to be a little bit – I mean, out in, the, out in the country where I was, Greenville, Wisconsin, I guess, you know, some would say the BB gun was fine. Uh, others would say you'd need a bigger gun. But I did get a BB gun at some point when I was little. So, um, But, yeah, 8 to 10, and then, you know, 42 is still a pretty good age for Christmas movies. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, especially because you can look back on them 
and have those great memories. Like I still have great memories of watching a Charlie Brown Christmas and the animated version of how the Grinch stole Christmas and yeah, even the more recent ones. Like I, I you we were talking about what would be your top three Christmas movies and and you know, as a more recent pick, I would put Elf in the top three for sure. Oh yeah. So I, I learned a couple of things the last okay, so I believe there's a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving movie, and I can't... Great Pumpkin? Yep. When we talk about monopolies, I believe Apple TV monopolized the Great Pumpkin. Yep. And it only played on Apple TV. It did not get... It was not able to be broadcast anywhere else. That just seems wrong to me, Rick. You know, it should be on broadcast TV for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, and then, you know, you talk about the, all these Christmas movies. Every channel, why doesn't every channel just grab one of these movies? I mean, okay, so if we want to do top five Christmas movies or top, top – I'll do top five uh, Christmas wa- te- television watching. Is uh, number, number one for me is Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase – uh, the yep. lights. Uh, that's just I. It, I could. I could probably. I probably don't watch that a ton. But you know, obviously, you got to just. You have to watch it once in December. And then oh, number two for me is Elf, which is yep. you know a little a little a little strange, I guess. But um, I don't. I'm not. A, I don't have like the greatest Christmas movie top five here. And number three for me is Home Alone. Is in terms of movies. And Home Alone, I can watch more than once. I just that one's too funny. And then Home Alone two is 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 tolerable. And yeah. Ho- Home Alone three, four, and five I've never seen. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are probably surprised. There's actually five Home Alones, and there's actually kind of a six Home Alone with a girl that uh, my girlfriend and her parents watched on Netflix one day. And I was like, "What are we watching? Is this like the newest Home Alone?" And it was called something else, but I just remember being like, "Oh, this is Home Alone," but kind of, kind of not. It was kind of like an interpretation. If I had better notes, I would tell you what that movie was, but I can't remember. The girl got caught in a school, and um, yeah, that's all I remember. And she was like friends with the janitor, and the janitor gave her guitar lessons. Rick, no joke. I had my top three Christmas movies written down, ready to go before the show began. <laughs> and what you listed were my exact top three Christmas, uh, Christmas Vacation, Elf, and uh, Home Alone. Okay. Oh, I, I Googled it. Christmas Break In. That's what this movie is called. And I think it's okay. on, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, I, it wasn't even that bad of a movie. It's it's. Uh, I'm, let me let me net Rotten Tomatoes it quick here. Um, yeah, that's that's funny. So we have the same top three list. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, we didn't. We definitely didn't have the the same top three list. Uh, Halloween candies, though. My God, <laughs> we we could not have been more different when it came to our top. Three. Your number one was, and, and that con- that continues to create controversy two months later. Yeah, well, I think it was. It wasn't even our top Christmas. It, no, Halloween candy. It was our bottom Halloween yeah. candies. I think our bo- wow. your bottom was my like my top because the top three for me would would be Whoppers. I would. I don't count candy bars, so I'm not doing like uh, a Kit Kat. A Kit Kat doesn't count as a Halloween candy. But uh, yours was like Whoppers, and I'll put Whoppers in Halloween candy because you can get them in the little thing. But um, yeah, that was like your number one worst candy, I think. You know, it it was, Rick. And, you know, I I, I have to take uh, controversial stances from time to time as a political commentator. And 
I guess that was no different, that situation. And, yeah, we also disagreed about milk duds. But I do think that I have the people on my side when it came to candy corn. Well, candy corn, yes. And then black licorice was like your number one. No, I'm just kidding. Like your number one favorite candy. I looked it up. Christmas break-in, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, The critics, the professionals, didn't even review it. Didn't even give it a review. Unbelievable. And uh, the audience score, 16%. (laughs) So... (laughs) Not a great Rotten Tomatoes score on uh, on a Christmas break-in, so maybe it does it's probably not going to hit anyone's top, you know, fifty uh, Christmas movies. But yeah, my number one Christmas vacation, number two Elf, number three Home Alone, and then what I really like to watch this this Christmas especially is The Mandalorian. I uh, really love watching that this December. And my number, you know, if I if I was going to go, what am I going to watch on Christmas? I have to watch it. It's going to be. NBA Christmas. That is my number one thing to do on Christmas is just the Bucks play at 1130, I believe, against the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, 130. I'm sorry. Uh, that's preceded by Zion Williamson and the Pelicans playing the Heat. And then there are three other games after the Bucks. And that's uh, if there were if we were going to a movie, we would probably DVR these games, but I'm just going to watch them live. Um, so, yeah, number one for me. So that's like my top five uh, this year anyway. Well, that's become a new tradition on Christmas is having all these professional sporting events. And like you mentioned, Rick, you know, the NBA seems to schedule all of its great matchups for Christmas Day. And, you know, I remember controversy about this years ago when the NFL started to do this. I remember a big to-do in the Twin Cities when I was growing up about, I think it was a Vikings game on Christmas Eve, and there was just enormous controversy about whether that was appropriate or whether it's just taking away from family time. And, and the NFL's just got to stay out of our Christmas holiday. They've just got to leave it to us and our family. They shouldn't get in, They shouldn't interfere in our Christmas uh, holiday. So, yeah, and of course, the Vikings are playing on, on Christmas Day. Not that there's really anything for them to play for at this point, oh. but, you know, it does seem like there's been some controversy about that in the past. This game, though, by the Vikings has great implications for Packers fans because the Vikings play the Saints. So, yes, pretty weird yes. that on Christmas Day, Packers fans uh, hope that the Vikings are going to win because the 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 Saints are ten and four. The Packers are eleven and three, so they're a game ahead so far, um, you know, in the conference. So, but but great implications, uh, high hopes because nobody knows what the Vikings are capable of. It is a Christmas miracle <laughs> that the Packer fans will be rooting for the Vikings. And hey, you know, I, I'm a Vikings fan. You know, maybe we'll do them a favor. Who knows? Yeah, the Vikings have had Christmas miracles against, well, not Christmas miracles, but miracles against the Saints in the past. So yes. uh, not that yes. long ago either. As you probably uh, crapped your pants when, when what, what was it? Uh, um, Stefan Diggs caught that pass. It was roughly that reaction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if nobody knows, uh, I believe uh, you can, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but Stefan Diggs made. No, you tell me because I I kind of forgot exactly what happened. Do you remember exactly in the uh, playoffs? For the play against the Saints. Yeah, the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, it was just completely blown coverage by the Saints defensive back, and uh, you know I think at that point it must have been Case Keenum who was the quarterback for the Vikings, and he just lets her fly, and the dude on the Saints just absolutely whips and. 
all of a sudden, Biggs has this wide open oh. field, and he goes into the end zone with no time left to oh, yeah. uh, take the Vikings oh, to the next I, round. I'm watching it right now. Unbelievable. Yeah, Diggs makes a great catch, and then yeah, yeah. the 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 defensive back like goes to spear his ankles, and as he's yep. trying to spear the receiver's ankles. Diggs jumps up to catch the ball, so he, he he yeah like a like a bullfighter with the red flag or whatever a thing that we should probably cancel culture is bullfighting by the way. Um, all right, so <laughs> wow, we just uh, down memory lane, uh, yeah. But the Viking Saints play on Christmas Day. The Badgers play Michigan State, number nine versus number twelve. Uh, we're gonna make uh, not only professionals entertain us on Christmas, we're gonna make amateurs uh, entertain us on Christmas. There's where I think I, I would draw the line. And before we deep dive into uh, uh, more more sports on Christmas, as we talk with UW Lacrosse's political science professor, Dr. Anthony Trigoski, about everything but politics today, uh, we got to stop for what is your favorite, Scott's comment, and then Brad doing the news. All right, we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to a Christmas Eve special of Lacrosse Talk PM and Andy Williams Christmas with Dr. Anthony Chagoski, UW Lacrosse political science professor. Chagoski, I, I, as I say your name, we, I completely whiffed on this last week when I had you on. The idea that we have now, as uh, as conservatives, cancel culture doctor, unless you are literally working on people in the medical field. How do you feel about this? <laughs> You know, Rick, I cannot possibly care less. I think that this is a sign that life might be sort of kind of returning back to normal. For those of people who, you know, have, you know, fortunately for them, not been following this story, it was Jill Biden, the subject of an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, where the author said she's a doctor of education. She got a degree that, you know, with her dissertation focusing on community college and the success and the retainment of students at community colleges. And the the argument of the op-ed was that she shouldn't be referred to as a doctor because she's not a medical doctor. And, you know, well, I guess I didn't take it personally at all. But I think silly controversies like this in politics, like if we can worry about silly stuff like this and not have to worry about like the 10 things going on that are just like enormous news stories that have broken in the last hour, you know, if we can get back into more silly mode, I feel like things will be tur- more back to normal. We'll be we'll be in more of a normal state under those circumstances. Yeah, and the Daily Show on comedy on the Comedy Channel. I don't know if anyone still watches TV on channels anymore because I just watched the Daily Show on Instagram because they put the whole show on there. But but the Daily Show they 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 like to highlight stuff like this uh, during Trump's presidency. They would do they would go back to Obama's age of you know Obama's presidency whatever you want to call it and they would just do the the stories that Fox News liked to hit while Obama was president and the one that comes to mind well now two are coming to mind Obama wore a tan suit once they do a, a montage about um all the outrage that president Barack Obama wore a tan suit and then they also did one where Barack Obama went on a bicycle ride and wore wait for it a helmet and so they they have these like montages of all these and I can't imagine what Comedy Central is going to do in the months into Biden's presidency with these stations like 
uh, is it Newsmax and and yeah. o, OAN? Is that another one? Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah, yeah, Rick. I mean, what's happening in conservative media is super interesting because you have these channels like Newsmax and OAN that have really attracted little attention and minuscule ratings up until now, but they have been perceived as kind of like the loyal channels to Trump while Fox doesn't have his back. And Trump is complaining about Fox, saying that they're not, you know, they're not going to bat for him as Trump makes these claims about the election and tries to overturn the election result. And so <laughs> in some circles in, in kind of the right wing universe, Fox is viewed as kind of this sellout. You know, they're part of the fake news now. And what you've seen is that Newsmax and OAN's ratings have gone way up as they've attracted the support and the backing of Donald Trump. Yeah, I had a caller a couple of days ago. Just she brought up we were we were again bashing a little. I wasn't even bashing Ron Johnson a couple of days ago because he put out his his uh, statement that he didn't like the the fifty nine hundred dollar or fifty nine hundred dollar that would be something uh, the fifty nine hundred page um, stimulus package because they only had nine hours to read all those pages. I was like, I can actually understand that. That's not enough time, probably. But I also don't know how government works so i don't know if every politician needs to read every page and also they were uh literally writing notes in the margins on the bailout the you know the the rich people corporate tax cuts that trump did they were literally writing notes on the margins as they were voting on it so definitely ron johnson didn't read the uh you know the corporate tax cuts a couple of years ago but now he's complaining he was complaining at this time about the stimulus bailout and and so now I've completely lost track what we were talking about and uh, and why I brought up oh I had a caller a caller called in and and just you know defended I believe defended Ron Johnson a little bit and said and then began talking about how she doesn't watch like CBS or NBC News and she's a Newsmax girl I think was her exact quote and she watches Newsmax and I in my head I was just like maybe just stop watching TV news altogether. <laughs> just turn on TBS, lady. Just turn on TBS. The Christmas story's playing right now. Uh, just, just let the uh, little red rider, and then, then uh, you'll po- you'll shoot your eye out. Just let it take your soul. Well, tune into the twenty four hours of a Christmas story. Yeah, definitely. Stop watching Newsmax, people. Stop watching MSNBC. Just turn TBS on, and then, uh, you know, tomorrow just turn on the NBA Christmas. Just NBA Christmas all day, or the Badgers. <laughs> But, Absolutely, but yeah, it's I mean, just... Rick, Rick, these are these are just like the newest additions to the twenty-four hour news cycle. These, you know, the these stations where the challenge is really finding things to get people worked up about for twenty-four hours a day, and to try to generate outrage for twenty-four hours a day. And so, you know, I guess Fox News is attracting competition because it's just not doing a good enough job of of accomplishing that. Yeah. I mean, in doing this show and and doing it beforehand with Mitch Reynolds, I mean, part of the, you know, a lot of the people that are calling in are, if you want to generate calls, it's, it's get people fired up about something because you're much more likely to call in if you're fired up about something. And I obviously am fired up about stuff. So I'll bring it, I'll bring it up on the show. If Ron Johnson's going to thumbs down $1,200 check into my pocket, I'm kind of pissed about that. Um, but, I'll, and, but you know, I don't know all the ins and outs out of it, but I'll let people vent about it. 
But if you want to generate talk, then you got to get people pissed about something. And when Joe Biden's president, he's he kind of his whole goal here was to, um, you know what, I'm going to run a presidency where nobody's pissed at me. <laughs> I feel like that's his goal. Well, yeah, Rick, you know, to try to avoid these, you know, kind of the constant conflict and the constant controversy. But, Rick, what you said is absolutely true. And it gets to what sorts of issues fire people up. And it's just not it's these cultural issues, Rick. It just seems to be these culture war issues that get people fired up a lot more than other issues. I mean, we were talking about the top 10 WISM stories of the year, the top 10 list that WISM has, and how, you know, the Hiawatha statue being one of the top 10. And I'm sure, you know, you just mentioned the Hiawatha story, and the the phones just blow up. And I know that that was the case for media around the area, that, you know, you post a Hiawatha statue story, and that thing just explodes in terms of engagement, you know, way more than, like, you know, the education spending or, you know, a new bridge that's being constructed. That was the smoothest transition in the history of my show. Is that you? Instead of me doing it, it was Tregoski smooth, smoothly <laughs> transitioning into a news topic on our website. The number seven story today. No wait, no, is it number seven? It's number six, I believe. Number, number six, five, I think. Number five. I can't even count. Thank you for <laughs> correcting me on my own top ten list. Uh, the the band shell was number ten. Schilling resigning. And then uh, Brad Paff beating Kopenke was number nine. Some For some reason, the lacrosse center snuck in there a year later after the $42 million expansion. Uh, Tim Cabot not running for re-election. Then uh, yesterday was the, the, the fight in a Menards parking lot, which is not something I want to get into on Christmas Eve. And today, I guess we probably shouldn't get into it, but yeah, the Hiawatha statue, de- the, the Hiawatha statue coming down, literally... All we talked about the whole week on this show was that statue, and I'm pretty sure that not one person called to say they were uh, they they wanted the statue. Eh, maybe one person called to say that they were good with the statue leaving. Well, this gets to one of the big themes of 2020, where people are taking a fresh look at some of these these statues, these monuments, and how you know people are expressing different points of view about that, but. What it does is it does generate considerable outrage among the people who want to see these statues stay in place. And, you know, I go I go back to that idea, Rick, that, you know, it just seems that there is something about this issue that really sets people off, you know, more than most issues, these culture war stories. And in many ways, I mean, I think that's why Donald Trump had so much success in getting elected and in attracting the loyalty of Republicans, because he was a walking culture war instigator. I mean, like he leaned into this kind of stuff, these culture war battles. And that is ultimately what gets people fired up. And it's what gets people to show up to the rallies. It's what gets people to uh, click on the stories and to call up the radio station. Yeah. And I think part of that too, is that we probably don't understand half the battle here. I mean, the removal of Hiawatha, is is going to be near to dear to a lot of people's hearts because they grew up with that statue as a kid. You know, it would be like uh, getting rid of a Christmas story because we've cancel cultured BB guns for some reason, and we don't even want to remember the fact that in what the fifties or forties, whenever that movie was supposed to take place, I know it was made in eighty three. Um, that that kids got BB guns for Christmas. Maybe in twenty years we will we will cancel that movie out. Because God forbid we can't even tell our kids we used to get guns for Christmas. 
Well, Rick, as I analyze the current state of the Republican Party and of the conservative movement more generally, it does seem to me that one of the most animating forces in the Republican Party and in the conservative movement is sort of this perceived overreach, culturally speaking, by the left, uh, you know, in terms of these statues, in terms of you know, allegations of cancel culture in action, in terms of, you know, kind of these protests. Uh, so it does seem to me like that is where the real energy is right now on the the right side of the political spectrum, on these cultural issues and on anger at the left for what the right perceives as sort of cultural overreach. Yeah. And then the whole idea, too, is like I, I think a lot of this is the the the, the uh, not understanding is equity versus equality, I think, is. It's something, and I couldn't even I couldn't even probably break it down very well either. Is that we're not gonna when I had a lot of people call and say, "Let's take a vote, let's vote, let's put it on a referendum." How many people are going to vote to remove Hiawatha versus keep it? And I'm like, well, that's not exactly how that would work because it's the whole equity equality thing. Well, yeah, Rick, and and I'm not saying that this was the case with Hiawatha. I honestly don't know, but. You know, there have been lots of cases in history where the majority liked and approved of things that we look back on and say that that was a big mistake, you know, where we get a bit of a different historical perspective when we're a bit removed from the event. And again, I'm not comparing the Hiawatha statue to this, but a good example would be kind of school segregation in the South, you know, where the majority of whites in the South favored school segregation. And if you had put school segregation to a vote, it would have remained in place. Yeah. Uh, so it's not always appropriate to put things to a vote when you're dealing with kind of like the rights of people. And again, I don't know if the Hiawatha statue really fits this, but I, I don't think that, you know, I, I think we have to be aware that the majority can sometimes screw over and oppress the minority. And that has happened, uh, let's just say, a time or two in American history. <laughs> Also, we couldn't afford to keep upkeep Hiawatha, so I mean, we're just going to pay tens of thousands of dollars to fix it. All right, we got one more break, and then we'll be back after this. All right, kind of a sad way to end the show here with a weird Andy Williams Christmas. Uh, it feels like the record player skipped. If you're, I don't know, Chagoski, do you ha- do you know the intricacies of we- record players where you could speed them up? They'll play a little faster than usual. I think my conclusion here, Rick, is that Andy Williams has some of the greatest Christmas songs of all time, but they're not all great. No, I mean there are there are some duds. <laughs> I mean we could we could just end the show by playing like the twelve days. Is it the twelve days where? Where, where like Mrs. Piggy goes five golden rings, <laughs> and uh, and and we could just we could just we wouldn't even need to talk. But you know it is Christmas Eve, so I will say that typical Christmas. Um, you know I don't have a giant family, so I don't do a, a whole lot. But I I did put up. You know we don't we don't have this. Like I said, we go to a movie on Christmas. We open presents real quick, and then I watch basketball. Or we watch a, we'll probably watch a movie at home or something. But I I did put up Christmas lights the other day, and and it was just the other day, so it feels very. I feel like I'm I really should have did that December first, and I waited until like December eighteenth to put up Christmas lights or nineteenth. I think I did on the weekend, and and now I'm kind of sad because I'm like, well, Christmas is over. I can leave those lights up 
through January 1st or 2nd. But, I mean, what's the rule, Tregowski, with When do I have to take the Christmas lights down? Yeah, I, 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 this is an extremely controversial issue, of course. Like, how long is too long to keep your Christmas lights up? And, you know, I would say, Rick, if you're getting more than a few days into January, you're on – you're you're on risky ground there, I, I would have to say. All right. So what if the girlfriend's sister is going to come visit and they're going to do Christmas at our at my house, at our house? What if and, and do I ha- and that's not going to be till f- like February? Can I keep them <laughs> up then? What's the no, rule? Then I'd be like, what the heck's up with your scheduling? <laughs> well, she lives, like, <laughs> she lives uh, you know, 12 hours away. So the, the, only, uh, the only rational time for them to be able to come is, is in February, I guess. It might, I, I it, think we can carve out an exception for that. Okay. And then the tree is going to be up kind of an inordinate amount of time, too. It's going to be up like an extra month. Um, yeah. So one of the other things, too, I think uh, that's funny that happens on Christmas. Does everybody's dad have to hold the like garbage bag on Christmas and make and and instead of having fun opening presents, it's open the presents and then order that none of the wrapping paper hit the ground and it all gets into the garbage bag before you even get to enjoy the gift that you got from opening this the wrapping. Rick, I would just add to that and and, and you couldn't be more spot on. Uh, I would just add to that those gifts from mom and dad that are listed on the tag as being from mom and dad. You, you, dad's just as surprised by what you, you get when you open that thing. I mean, dad has no idea what's in those, in those have boxes. You, have you ever opened a present and then, you know, either as an adult or as a kid, you've opened this thing and then you look at your dad and your dad is like, we got him. What? And it's just like, it's even too, like mom went all out and got you the most extravagant gift, like maybe a $300 RC car or something. Just, I don't know, or a, you know, something like that. And dad is like, I can't believe you spent that much. And then maybe it's a fight between mom and dad on Christmas. As you're opening a present, you just see him give her the look. I can't believe that this kid is getting a $300 toy for Christmas. It probably comes up in therapy 20 years later, right? <laughs> I do remember one of my brother's Christmas, not Christmas, but his birthday. I don't know. So we're just a, a little sideswipe here. But on his birthday, there's a giant present. We're at my grandparents' house. Giant present. He's opening presents. He's getting ready to open this giant present. No, this present was for me. I got a present on my older brother's birthday, and it was this giant G.I. Joe troop-carrying helicopter. I still remember. It's the only present I remember in my entire life. I got it on my brother's birthday. I could be remembering that wrong. I'll have to ask my mom uh, tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, it was this giant brown camouflage helicopter, G.I. Joe, probably cost $50, which was an incredible amount of money back in uh, probably the 80s when I got this on my brother's birthday. Unbelievable. Now, why, though? Like, that's your brother's birthday. I, have I no, mean, I have was, no this, idea. was this controversial? I have no idea. You know what? I, I It's something I remember every once in a while, probably around this time, and and I never bring it up because I'll, I'll forget it by tomorrow. I'm just going to forget that this happened. Another thing I did the other day, too, is I was uh, we were grocery shopping, and I saw some peanut brittle, and I had to snap a picture and send it to my older brother because my grandma always gave us homemade peanut brittle for Christmas. I've, I've probably never eaten peanut brittle in my life. Uh, she always gave us a ton of peanut brittle. I've never had the heart to tell her, Grandma, I don't like this, but we always got peanut brittle on Christmas, uh, and I, I don't think I've ever eaten it. 
Well, and, and of course, you, you can't have Christmas without those cookies that have the Hershey's Kiss in the middle of them. Oh, those, yeah, those I have eaten my body's weight's worth multiple times over <laughs> and over. Um, yeah, and if they didn't have, you know, A, you just pull the, the Hershey's Kiss off, and B, if, yep. if somebody else pulled the Hershey's Kiss off, that cookie would never be eaten, even if you knew it was pristine and didn't have germs on it from somebody pulling the kiss off. If, it, if the, the Hershey's Kiss fell off for some reason, you would never eat it. it nobody's eating the cookie without that big chunk of chocolate. Uh, well, that's what makes the cookie great. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, all right, that's that's going to wrap up our Christmas Eve special. Uh, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, I really appreciate you you spending <laughs> spending your family time with us on Wisdom. <laughs> Thanks, Greg, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas.